Good evening, everybody. This is Jeff Morton, your host, returning to Eden, and uh, thank you for joining us this evening. Uh, tonight we have a little bit of a change in the, in the way we were going to do things because I thought my co-host was going to be back by now. However, she decided that they were going to stay in Oklahoma uh, through Saturday, and uh, so Dina will be with us next week, uh, she told me. <laughs> I believe her. Uh, but uh, And, of course, we're celebrating the biblical holidays, the biblical festivals. Uh, you know, we're at the end of the, the fall feast, uh, Feast of Tabernacles, or uh, Sukkot, Feast of Booths, has just, just wrapped up. And uh, so I thought, well, I'd like to talk a little bit about that this evening. And uh, I kind of put that little note out there on Facebook, and my good friend Dan Cathcart of Moed Ministries Gave me a call and said, boy, I'd love to come on and talk about that. So I thought, well, that's great. Uh, that would be interesting because Dan is one of my favorite people. And, you know, they've written another book and another book and another book and another book. And uh, their latest book is Babylon Rising, The Eight Kingdoms of Prophecy from Shinar to the Antichrist by Dan and Brenda Cathcart. So Dan Cathcart is with me this evening. Uh, let me introduce you to Dan Cathcart, everybody. Hello, Dan. Hi, Jeff. Good to be here. Yeah, I'm glad you're on board. Uh, before we get into the specifics, can you tell people a little bit about uh, your ministry, Moed Ministries, how they can contact you, how they can buy your books and, and get involved with some of the stuff you and Brenda are doing? Sure, sure. Moed Ministries, uh, Moed Ministries International is a uh, operation that we, a uh, complete nonprofit that we started this, this year, uh, previously operated, you know, just Moed Ministries, kind of a, a sole proprietorship thing. We write books, and uh, we, there's 10 of them out now. But Moed Ministries International, our vision and our dream is to be a community of interconnected small groups, to reach out around the world and connect small, isolated individuals and groups through the use of modern technology. We do uh, live streaming, of course, which is very easy to do. Um, we're on uh, livestream.com. We're on Facebook Live uh, with all of our, our Wednesday and our Shabbat service. But the key, what we're doing that's different, is we're connecting these groups in real time using video conferencing. And so uh, someone who is, could be uh, across the street or it could be across the water, like over in Europe or, or com completely in the other side of the earth. And they connect with us real time via video conferencing. And they fully participate in our Shabbat service. And we just started doing the uh, conferencing in July. And so it, it's kind of new and it's growing. And we're, we're negotiating with some other groups to get them on board. Uh, we, we've had uh, a group from Liverpool, England join us, and we've had groups here in Washington State join us, so near and far, and uh, it just works fantastically. And the re reason God led us on this journey is um, because people are out there, and they are isolated, and they don't have a, a place they can go, so we wanted to give them that home. But uh, you know, we're Moed Ministries International. You can go online. Uh, MoedMinistries.com or MoedMinistriesInternational.com. Uh, that all works. And you can see our website. All of our programs are on that website. Our bookstores on the website. Uh, all of our books are available. They're all designed for small group studies or individual study. And, uh, you know, so you can, uh, 
yeah, you can. There's years of, of study right there, from the simple to the more complex, <laughs> and uh, we, we just you know love getting this stuff out there. We've got a lot of. Uh, we do a video every week. I guess I should say, we do a, a Wednesday teaching every week. Uh, it's broadcast tonight, by the way, uh, at 7:30 on Livestream.com and Facebook, and um, and then. On Shabbat, we meet with a group in our home around our conference table, and we connect with these other groups, and they fully participate, and we go back through that same teaching, and then we have discussion questions we put out, and uh, people can join in in the discussion around the table. And uh, we just have a great time together, and, and uh, worshiping the Lord, and, and uh, fellowshipping together. And uh, yeah, so it's Shabbat and Wednesday nights. Yeah, so folks, I've been to their uh, Saturday service. It's in their home. Of course, I've known Dan and Brenda for 40 years. So, you know, I know what they're doing, and I know the, the labor of love, and the ideal is to teach and to share and to glean the information. And I think uh, I, too, understand there's a lot of folks out there that want to be connected to something, and, the, you know, it's kind of difficult. So I think what Moed Ministries is doing by digitally connecting people so that you can study together, fellowship together, get to know people all over the world, that's what the Internet allows us to do, is a great idea, and I think something's being born here. Uh, so I'll check out moedministries.com. You can get all their books. Uh, Dan, did I see you put out another book after Babylon Rising? Yes, yes, we did. Just uh, three weeks later, we released another book, and it's called One People, One Heart. And uh, it's based on studies that we did in our home over the last couple of years. And it's about the power of God that is released when we come together in one accord, just like they were in the book of Acts. Mm -hmm. And it, it demonstrates how that is possible, you know, e even today. You know, it, we can work toward that goal of coming together. And so it uses biblical examples of how that works and what is possible when it happens. Yeah, Dana was telling me, um, uh, you know, folks, just go to Moed Ministries. They've got all these different tabs on the website. You can click on them, and all the information is right there, including how to be a part of the uh, digital linking uh, and study uh, groups that they do uh, all over the country and apparently all over the world. So, Dan, I'm glad to have you on board, and uh, we're going to talk about the festivals of the Lord. Mm-hmm. Now, before we get into the conversation, I, I got to let people understand where Jeff Morton is coming from. And, uh, you know, I'm learning so much, like Dina says, this is a bottomless well, folks. It doesn't stop. And I'm going to kind of flip the switch a little bit on the whole concept of the festivals and the uh, religious connotations that we've all come to know the Bible from. And I'm going to flip it over into a governmental type thing because often Dan and I think you'll agree with me we're often talking about the Bible from a religious perspective but it's actually a governmental situation that God is setting up because he's setting up a kingdom he's setting up his kingdom which is not unlike every kingdom and if we could just use the word country as opposed to kingdom it might be a little more familiar to people but God is going to set up his country in the earth and then through that country he's going to rule all the other nations so yeah. There's yeah, a like governmental that. system at play, right, Dan? Right, right. And I like something that you said a couple of weeks ago that kind of stuck. I think when we were doing the interview with Dina, you said that the Bible is not about religion. It's about how to be a citizen in the kingdom. Yes. 
Exactly. You know, and that, that really kind of rung a bell, and I've been mulling that over over the last couple of weeks. Well, if we look at it, and I'm glad you brought that up because this is very, very, this is so important to me because I, I'm seeing things from a kingdom perspective, but I want to use the language of modern day. For example, we have all this um, stuff that's going on over the football stuff out in the field, and I like to call the place where insanity is the field because that's mm -hmm. where Satan was, okay? That's where Cain killed his brother on the field. So if we look at what's going on on the field, nobody's really showing. There's an argument in the United States of America about patriotism. And so I'm sitting here going, okay, so we're, we honor the flag, we salute our country. Most countries do. Most people do. Most people you know, love the fact that they belong to a country, that they have a nation. They salute the flag. There's a certain patriotism that goes along. They go and fight and die for their country. And I'm thinking, well, if all of these countries are a facsimile of the kingdom of God, then where is the patriotism for the kingdom of God? Where is the allegiance to the rules, to the laws, to the statutes, exactly. to the covenant structure? Where is our sense of pride in saluting what the king is developing and building? And so I'm looking at it from that perspective when we talk about the biblical feast days. Mm -hmm. These are appointed times where the father is intersecting with his creation in order to institute something. Mm -hmm. Always. And so I want to talk about the biblical feast days. Dan, maybe you can kind of run through them for the audience member who doesn't know what we're talking about. Okay, the biblical feast we, we normally, you know, from a, from a Christian mindset, we normally think of them as the Jewish holidays. But with a careful reading of the Bible, we realize that they're not, for the Jews, they're not necessarily Israel's holidays, they're God's appointed times. Because he says right there in, in uh, Leviticus. Leviticus, Leviticus chapter 23, you know, about these are the Lord's feasts. Not, they're not limited to the Jews or to the nation of Israel. They are the Lord's feasts. And if we want, and we need to be on his calendar, so to speak. And when we start studying these things, these feasts, there's seven of them starting mm -hmm. with Passover in the spring, and then you've got the Feast of Unleavened Bread, and you have uh, the Feast of Firstfruits, or, uh, yeah, yeah, the Feast of Firstfruits. And uh, in modern times, uh, the Jewish people, and you look at the Jewish calendar, it just says it, it has all those listed as Passover, but that's really not the way the Bible breaks it down. And then, so there's three of them in there. And so then later in the spring, you have the Feast of Pentecost, or Shabbat, and that's when the Holy Spirit came. And then you have, uh, in the fall, which we're coming to the end of right now, you have uh, um, the, the Feast of Trumpets, or what's commonly called Rosh Hashanah, which is the, the head of the year. You have uh, Yom Kippur, which is the Day of Atonement. And we're up to the last day of the Feast of Sukkot, or Feast of Booths, or Feast of Tabernacles. And that's what... Today on the biblical calendar is the last day of the feast. It's called the last great day. We're going to talk about that in a minute, but I want to back up a little bit here because mm -hmm. let's talk about Passover. Dan, you and I both know that in Exodus 12, actually starting in Exodus 12, 1, uh, God calls the people, he gets Moses and Aaron together before they leave Egypt, mm -hmm. and he mm -hmm. says, okay, let's sit down 
and, 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 and we're going to talk about what I'm going to do. And the very first thing I want to do is we're going we're gonna to kill a lamb. And it, folks, if you go through and you just read Genesis or Exodus 12:1, so we know that God is preparing to create a nation, and so He's leading these people out of captivity. And the very first thing He says to them is, "We're going to celebrate this feast called Passover." So if we look at it as a feast, as a religious thing, okay, that's fine. But He's setting up a kingdom. So let's look at it as an appointed time, based on a governmental system that He has in mind, in order to bring about a nation. Mm -hmm. The very first thing he wants to do is Passover. So Passover is when the very first feast that ancient Israel, coming out of captivity, is going to celebrate. And you read that, that whole account in 12.1, but interestingly enough, because of the timetable of the Lord and how he does things, 40 years later, literally 40 years later, they've done this every single year now for 40 years, Guess what time the father brings him out of the wilderness? At Passover. Yeah, Passover. It's right there, Joshua 4.19. It says, now the children come up out of, uh, on the 10th day of the first month. But if you don't know what the festival is, you in fact, let me turn to it. Okay. If you don't understand the festival, and this, this is something that I love to talk about because when I first saw this, I was like, pardon my flipping through the scriptures, but I want to find this. When I saw this and when it made sense, because now I'm understanding how he does things, the calendar, it says here in Joshua 4.19, hang on, I got one of my older Bibles here. Oh, never mind, I'm too far away. Hang on. Joshua 4.19 says, Now the people came up out of the Jordan or the Arden on the tenth day of the first month, and they camped in Gilgal on the eastern border of Jericho. What I love about that is it doesn't tell you it's, fe it's the Feast of Passover. Mm -hmm. But when you understand what the feasts are, you immediately connect that to Passover. So mm -hmm. now we know that the Lord's plan was to bring them out on an appointed time, Passover. And the very first thing they're going to do four days later is kill a lamb. And that, when I first saw that, I began to see those instances where the feast days were in play. And I know we're going to mm -hmm. talk about John 7. Uh, in, the, in, in the last great day of the feast, which is where we are today. But I began to see something. And so now, Dan, and I know you'll agree with this, when I started looking at calendar dates in the Bible, I started looking to see if they were festival dates mm -hmm. and what was actually going on. And the Bible's full of them. Yeah, the New Testament is, 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 the festivals are all over New Testament scripture, but most people don't see it because we've divorced ourselves from that calendar. Right, and we've also divorced ourselves from the governmental institutions that's being established through the festivals and through all of the things that the Father's doing. In other words, folks, we have this thing, Dan, you and I were talking about this before the show, where we separate church and, and state. But that's just the opposite of what the temple was all about. The temple was the place where God dwelt, where he instituted his government, where everything that he was was presented to the people, and so we have to look at it from that perspective, not this ethereal religious complex where all this mm -hmm. heavenly stuff took place. No, this was where the governmental system of what God was doing in the earth was addressed. And if you really stop and think about it, folks, virtually every nation in the earth is patterned after the way God set up his kingdom. Mm -hmm. Dan, Feast of Tabernacles. 
the Feast of Tabernacles is, uh, like I was saying before, this is the last great day of the feast. It's the seventh feast, takes place in the seventh month, and it lasts for seven days. Now get that. There must be something about seven. Yeah. The number seven in the Bible indicates or is uh, equal to di divine perfection. So today on the biblical calendar, the last great day of the feast. And what? here's something, a, a connection with the ministry of Jesus. All through the Feast of Tabernacles, every day they're doing what's called the water libation, or this water pouring ceremony. And so every day, the high priest and one of his assistants are going down, they're marching down to the Pool of Siloam, which is down at the bottom of uh, the hill, south of the temple, and they scoop out some water in a, in a, uh, a big jug, a uh, golden, it's made of gold. Okay, they, they scoop out some water, and this is called living water because it's fed by the, by the spring of Gihon, and, uh, which, by the way, is the name of one of the rivers that flows out of Eden back in Genesis. Right. And so they scoop out this water from, it's living water, and they take it up the, at this time of Yeshua or Jesus, it would have been Herod's Road. That's what it's called, and it's still right. there. You can actually walk on it. And they're marching back uphill to the temple, and it's thousands of people in Jerusalem at this time because it's one of the pilgrimage feasts. Over so two million. Yeah, two, about two and a half million, according to the historian Josephus. Josephus, so, yeah. So who who was there at the time? And so they they're they're marching up, and the people are singing. The praise psalms, Psalms 113 to 118. You can go back and read those, and it's just these amazing connections. And so when they get up to the temple, they pour water and wine together onto uh, bowls that are on the altar, and it pours out of these bowls uh, because it's got some holes in the bottom, and it mixes together and uh, in this, and they're singing these songs, and they're waving these giant palm branches, and, uh, and dancing and singing around. This is part of one of the things. And so they're, they're pouring this living water at the altar. Okay, and there's all these people there. But get this. Here's Yeshua and all his disciples. They're there in the temple because they're, it's a pilgrimage feast. They're required to be there. And Yeshua stands up, and we read about that in John 7, Verses 37 through 38. So this this is the what's happening at this time. Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If any man thirst, let him come to me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the Spirit hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. So he is claiming Messiahship right there. And everyone there who hears him will know it. Because... He's claiming to be the fountain of living water. Go back and read Jeremiah. Go back and read Ezekiel, or talk, and especially Jeremiah, where it talks about the living water. And this is happening on this last great day of the feast. This is just, when, when this happens there in John uh, chapter 7, this, this is just six months before the next Passover where he will be crucified at that next Passover. Now, i I, I got to jump in here. Sure, because we we only got a half hour, folks. I I kind of want you to kind of get the 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 whole thing here, because 
And this inherited temple, the Shekinah of the Lord, was not ever present. It was not there. Not in the second that, temple. No. The second temple wasn't. So when Jesus stood up, we have to look at this from their lens. He's claiming to be the Shekinah in the temple. There's so much going on there. So now he's saying that the Shekinah, the glory of the Lord, the living water of all that he is, is before you. I mean, just, yeah. I was sitting yeah. there listening to you, Dan, and I was getting goosebumps. <laughs> and, and the very reason that they're doing the water libation ceremony, and I'm sure Dina can add layers and layers and layers to this, but it was because of the Shekinah. The Shekinah glory of the Lord, and he stands up and says, I'm the reason you've been doing this for 1,500 years. Mm -hmm. This is who I am. He's declaring himself to be the very reason all of these things were performed in the first place on the great and last day of the feast, the greatest feast. This yes. is huge. It this is. It is. And if we don't understand the historic and cultural context of the feast, we fail to grasp the significance of that when we read uh, the accounts in the Gospels. It, uh, it, it's just mind-blowing what, uh, you know, especially the Gospel of John. Everything revolves around the feast in the Gospel of John. It's just John amazing. Is, John is making an announcement. And in, in the mm -hmm. ancient world, folks, when a king came to visit, they would make an announcement. You get the whole concept of hear ye, hear ye. The king has arrived. The entire Gospel of John and why it's so different is because he's making that announcement according to ancient Near East Covenant Treaty Law. He's, he's doing something that would have been extremely familiar to them, but we're disconnected from that because we've been doing church instead of seeing the whole picture. And the whole picture was the covenant had to be renewed in order for the kingdom of God to go forth. And this is what Jesus or Yeshua was doing. He was literally renewing the covenant. He became, the, he became literally a sacrifice in order for the covenant to be renewed. And it's, there's so much to that. He didn't just die for the sins of the world. He is fulfilling the edicts of the kingdom by doing the things that the king had to do in order to make sure to guarantee that the nation of Israel would be restored. Now, Absolutely. something happened the next day. And we got about eight minutes, and I want okay. you to tell the audience what happened the next day. The very next day, which is called Hashanah Rabbah, or it's the uh, rejoicing of the Torah, Okay, yes. so they're back in the temple, and that previous day he just declared that he was the fountain of living water. Upset all but, of the radicals. Yeah, because they, he's he's challenging them. He's challenging the leadership of the the, the, the scribes and the Pharisees and the, and the corrupt leadership that was going on. Just read Josephus; you'll see how corrupt it was. Let me give yeah. them a better name so people understand what actually happened. Okay. He, he stood up and he chastised all the liberals that were in the temple. No, I'm just kidding, Dan. Go ahead. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay, so that's the situation that we're at. And so the the ones that want to trap him, they want to they want to catch him doing something wrong, so they can accuse him and 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 uh, belittle him in some way. And so they bring a woman who they claim was caught in the act of adultery. So what happens there? Um, so 
he, he um, I kind of lost my place here. So they're by doing so, they're violating the the Torah itself in several ways. One, the entire celebration, Dan. The yeah, the celebration. Celebration, and they're they brought only the woman for judgment, which they're not supposed to do. Read Leviticus and Deuteronomy on that one, and they didn't bring two witnesses. So there's two violations right there, and a third violation was that of Jewish civil law. Only the great Sanhedrin could try capital cases, and the Sanhedrin was not meeting because the Romans wouldn't let them. Right. So, so they couldn't do it, but they're trying to do it anyway and catch him doing something wrong. But what, he, what happens what is, is they come and they ask him what would he do, okay? He quietly stoops down and he starts writing something in the in the earth he, you know with his right. finger or with something he writes it down there on the earth and so we we can kind of infer what he's writing look at jeremiah 17 verse 13 where it says o lord the hope of israel all who forsake you shall be ashamed those who depart from me shall be written in the earth because they have forsaken the lord the fountain of living water just the day before, he was declaring himself the fountain of living water, and they are forsaking him. So was he writing this verse? He actually, if you read the account in John chapter he 8, down twice, he, yep. he went down twice. So I think he was writing this verse once. And then he, he there's more, more going on there. And then he stoops down and he writes again. I believe he was writing their names, yes. the names of those scribes, and the names of those people who were accusing and then he says to to uh, the woman, you, you know, where are your where are your accusers? And he says, go and sin no more. You know. No, so you know, this they, is, they, they couldn't trap him. I love this story because people, you 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 have to kind of get out of your comfort zone, get rid of the airplanes, the televisions, the Nikes, and put yourself back two thousand years ago. Mm -hmm. Now, now. Listen carefully to what I'm about to tell you. He stood up and declared who he was the day Just before. The day before. Mm -hmm. And this is a great big deal, and you've got these people that are saying, no, you're not, and we've had enough of you guys, and there's a whole bunch of false prophets and all this stuff, and now you're declaring yourself to be king. Then the very next day, they realized, because they knew that scripture in Jeremiah, they knew those things. That's what they've been studying their whole lives. They knew that what he was actually doing was fulfilling a prophetic message that Joshua or that Jeremiah wrote. The difference was they were the ones that he was writing about, <laughs> and they mm -hmm. knew it. And it mm -hmm. says one by one they left. Why I love this story, Dan, and this account is because it takes the whole story out of a faith-based thing into this is the king. Mm -hmm. And he is condemning these men. But the interesting mm -hmm. thing that happened, or I should say didn't happen, is nobody died that day. That's right. Nobody died. Right. So we saw his mercy, both with the woman and those men. Now, they had an opportunity to repent. They had an opportunity to turn around. They, they walked, walked away. away, one by one. Mm -hmm. So, folks, we're running out of time here. And I, Dan, I know it goes real fast, but... Mm -hmm. It does. The, you know, go to Moed Ministries. Dan and Brenda are teachers. I mean, his wife is actually a teacher. Mm -hmm. So uh, if you want to learn these little nuggets and these things, they're, they're really not nuggets. They're the way 
that the world was 2,000 years ago. And when we can become part of that world and see it through their lens, because remember, the Bible was written to these people, not to us. But it's for all generations. And Dan, I'll give you the last word. Yeah, the thing the thing about the way that we approach our teaching is that we look at scripture from a historic perspective, from a linguistic perspective, and from a cultural perspective. So it was written two thousand plus years ago to be understood at the time it was written to the people it was written to. So if we put ourselves into that mindset, if we understand that culture, then we can better, more clearly understand the scripture that we're reading that's handed down to us. And so that's the way we approach our studies. But yes, come and join us. Visit us at, at moedministries.com. Uh, all of our videos there, it's all free. We don't charge anything to watch the videos. All the links are there right on our homepage, and you can you can find just hours and hours of, of uh, material there. Uh, come and join us via livestream.com. Uh, contact us if you have a small group and you're interested in joining us real time in Shabbat. And uh, away we go. We, we have a good time uh, studying together and, and, uh, and learning. We're all learning. Well, Dan, I so, appreciate you coming on board and helping us out while Dean is gone. And folks, I do encourage you. I've read the book Babylon Rising. And the thing about this book here is it's not a book about prophecy. It's a book about uh, education. It's teaching you how to look at this from a different lens. And I highly recommend Babylon Rising, the Eighth Kingdoms of Prophecy, from Shinar to the Antichrist. And when we say the word prophecy, get it out of your head that God told these guys to tell us what the future is going to be. That's not what prophecy is about no, at no. all. And we explain have, that in there. Yes, you do. And, they explain a lot about four chapters in before they even get into the book. But you need that background. And so I recommend Babylon Rising, The Eighth Kingdoms of Prophecy from Shinar to the Antichrist by Dan and Brenda Cathcart. Go visit them, moedministries.com. Yeah, and just one more thing. Yes, just one more thing. Sure. The books are also available on Amazon worldwide. So yes. you, you, if you can't get them from us, we just ship to U.S. addresses from our website. Go to amazon.com. Anywhere in the world, you can buy it and it'll be shipped right to you. But I tell you what, folks, if you get it from them, they make more money. Bottom line. So, uh, <laughs> listen, Dr. Dina Dye is going to be back next week. I'm pretty sure of that. I might not be here next week, but she will be. I have a class that I'm, I'm trying to work out a schedule on. So, anyway, folks, we appreciate you joining us. I'm returning to Eden. Thanks, Dan. Appreciate Thank it. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, we'll see you all here next week. God bless you all. And um, I'm looking forward to the spring festivals, the appointed times of the Lord. So God bless yeah. everybody. Yeah. Shalom, my friend. Shalom, shalom. Bye-bye.